The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 11, the Bible says, Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Thank you so much for joining us here for our Thanksgiving service, and uh, this is a special time of year. I know many of you have plans with family and loved ones and relatives, and uh, we're just so excited uh, what God's doing here in our midst as a church family, and what God's doing in each and every one of your individual families, marriages, children, and and grandchildren. Uh, Speaking of such, the last week's been a busy one for many. We've had several uh, babies born in the church uh, in the last couple of weeks, and so uh, to the Brichelles there and to the Kellys and others. We're just so excited uh, for you guys and congratulate you on the birth of your children. And uh, I hope you'll take a moment just to congratulate them as well. Uh, the Goldsboro had a dog this week, and so that's kind of a... <laughs> there we go. And a little little Cooper there. So uh, we have much to be thankful for. And uh, I know for one, uh, the Lord has just been so incredibly good to me and my family, and one of the biggest blessings uh, is just this church, Uh, you guys individually. I'm so thankful for our leaders, uh, those who serve as connection group leaders, as well as ministry leaders. I'm thankful for those of you who are uh, regularly involved in volunteering, serving our community, serving one another, and uh, I couldn't go on enough uh, to say to each and every one of you uh, how my heart is just filled with gratitude for how you've just been such a blessing to myself, to my family, and to this church. And so for that, uh, just from uh, the deepest part of my heart, I just want to say thank you. This morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 11. I love this passage and I love what it means to, to me personally, but uh, I believe as a church family, I hope it's one that'll take on some new meaning as we have the opportunity to walk through it here a little bit this morning. Uh, last week I was on my Facebook feed and I was just kind of reading some different posts and I I came across a post uh, from my cousin, and my cousin and I were really close growing up, and, and uh, she currently lives in the Midwest, and she had a kind of a lengthier post, and she was talking about some of the struggles uh, that she was going through in this particular week, and nothing super major, just things she was struggling with, and it was really hard for her to find some contentment and find gratitude just with circumstances, uh, the way they are in her life, and she was kind of putting in this post, just almost in a way, just talking a little bit about just kind of uh, some of the difficulties. And I think if we were to be honest, all of us have had days or weeks like that, have we not, where things are just at work, not going the way we prefer, and things in our family aren't everything that we wish they were. And, and she just kind of got into kind of an introspective kind of, you know, maybe you would say even maybe critical spirit. And She said it came to the end of the day and she flipped on the television only to find on the news the terrorist attacks that had taken place uh, in Paris. And and she put in her post how literally instantly her entire perspective had changed. Seeing the images both of refugees as well as the terrorists and the mayhem that was taking place, the suffering, all of it just kind of welling up in her heart and mind and And just a simple perspective change. And all of a sudden, everything else in her world didn't seem so big after all. Her circumstances hadn't changed. Her situation was no different. 
What had taken place wasn't automatically fixed. There was simply a perspective change. And literally that perspective changed. Changed everything in her heart for her. You see, there are some people in our world who believe that it is happy people who are grateful. And, and that's kind of the common thought process, you know? Uh, people who are happy and people who have things to be happy about, those are the people that are grateful. And yet, as we're going to see in the scriptures, and it, it's not even just the scriptures. If, if you uh, study sociology and, and even just uh, psychology, they would point to the same reality as well. It, it is not happy people who are grateful, but rather it is actually grateful people. People, thankful people, people who are praising and thanking and filled with gratitude even when things aren't going well. It's actually grateful people who are happy. You'll see this played out many times in life, and, and we can deceive ourselves as Christians. We can think, well, I would be grateful, I would be thankful if this circumstance would be different, if this situation would change, if this relationship would be altered, if this job, you know, thing would be different, then I would have something to be grateful about. Rather than recognizing what the scriptures say in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, recognizing that in everything, there is something to be grateful for. It is actually people who practice an attitude of gratitude who in turn become happy, <laughs> who in turn become filled with joy. And, and, and oftentimes we get the two confused, and we're going to unpack this a little bit here today. A lot of us, just like my cousin, if we're not careful, we can struggle at times with focusing more on what we don't have than on all that we do have. And, and every once in a while, it takes a perspective change to help us get that in order. And so to kind of kick off the message here this morning, I want you to notice here, just kind of as a way of introduction, I want you to see here as a theme, God's goodness is what generates our gratitude. God's goodness generates our gratitude. And, it, and it's not, it's something that as we look to Christ, it's not circumstances. It's not our life situation. It's not all of our expectations being met, but it's simply God in his essence and God in his goodness that generates gratitude. So let's just dive into it. Notice what the Bible says here first in verse number 11. It says we're being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. And so the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's trying to remind the church at Corinth, God has been good to you. Notice the uh, words that are used here. Everything. All bountifulness. These are very uh, expressive words. And the Apostle Paul is trying to help these Christians understand, you've got it good because you've got God. I want you to see this morning God's goodness. God's goodness. Romans chapter number 8, verse 32 says it this way. He, speaking of God, that spared not his own son. You say, what is that talking about? Literally, God the Father was willing to allow his son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed on our behalf. It says he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all 
things. The same Heavenly Father that gave you His Son, Jesus Christ, to be a sacrifice, to take the punishment for your sin, has also freely given us all things in Christ. James chapter number 1, verse 17, continues this thought when it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. It's from our Heavenly Father. Uh, The Bible in Psalms chapter number 68, verse 19, would fulfill this even more. It says, blessed be God, who, notice this, daily loadeth us with benefits. That's what the Bible says. Daily he loads us with benefits. Maybe you're here right now and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know that I feel like I'm loaded with benefits every day. The reality is sometimes we don't recognize it as such. Sometimes we don't notice it. Sometimes we don't see it. But the reality is, if we would pause to think, we would have cause to thank. Why? Because God, our Heavenly Father, daily, on a regular basis, is literally loading us down with benefits, with blessing. Do you you get the visual imagery here? Have you ever been backpacking or hiking maybe those of you who are outdoors people and maybe you had a big backpack and you loaded it with all this stuff and you're trying to walk along and it's just kind of bearing you down this is the visual imagery that the bible is giving us for the blessings and benefits that god bestows upon us if we'll simply take time to recognize if we'll simply take time to notice the bible reminds us that daily our heavenly father is literally like a weary hiker just loading us down with blessing after blessing benefit after benefit some of you might be familiar with a gentleman by the name of rudyard kipling and uh, uh, he lived from 1865 to 1936 he was english yet born in bombay india he wrote poetry and is the author of books like uh, captain courageous and the jungle book series and such others Uh, Kipling's writings not only made him famous, but also brought him quite a deal of fortune. He made quite a bit of money. In fact, uh, in his lifetime, uh, it is said for each of his uh, books that were published to uh, the public audience, that each word in those books made him roughly about $100 a piece. And so for that day and age, back then, that was, that was a lot of money. And so one day, an interviewer, a reporter, came up to him, and uh, he asked him, he said, Mr. Kipling, he said, uh, he said uh, I got a $100 bill here, but I'd like you to give me one of your $100 words. He handed uh, Mr. Kipling the $100 bill. Mr. Kipling looked at it and said, The reality is, um, thanks is one of the most valuable and important words in the English vocabulary. And and I'm not just talking about the, the surface enunciation of sound. What I'm talking about is a heart that is expressing itself vocally. A heart that is gratitude and and feels praise and feels thankfulness for literally everything God does. As you study the pages of Scripture, you'll find as a believer, we have so much to be thankful for. 
According to Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse 6, in Christ we have an acceptance that can never be questioned. I want to remind you today, you in Christ are accepted. You're approved in Jesus. According to 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3, in Christ you have an inheritance that can never be lost. In Christ you're rich. In Christ you're wealthy. According to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 9, in Christ you have a grace that is not limited. Grace literally meaning unmerited favor. God's literally given you a grace that you don't deserve. According to John chapter number 15 verse 11, in Christ we have a joy that can never be diminished. Regardless of what's happening in our life circumstances, we have access to a joy that can stay strong. Regardless of what's happening in our relationships, regardless of what's happening in our health, we have a joy that is accessible to us in the person of Christ that cannot be taken away. The Bible calls it a joy that is indescribable, unspeakable, and full of glory. According to Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 13, in Christ we have a nearness to God that can never be reversed. Think about that. You have access to the very presence of God. These are, these are the gifts that God bestows upon you because of His Son, Jesus Christ. According to John chapter number 14, in Christ you have a peace that never has to be disturbed. A peace that literally passes all understanding. God says in his word, you have access to a peace. Regardless of what's happening in your marriage, you can be at peace. Regardless of what's happening in your health, you have access to a peace that that doesn't have to be disturbed. You have access to a peace in Christ. According to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21, in Christ you have a righteousness that can never be tarnished. Let that sink in for a moment. You have his imputed righteousness put to your account. You are made righteous in the person of Christ by faith through grace. These are some of the gifts that are yours in Jesus. According to Hebrews chapter number 5 verse 9, you have a salvation that can never be canceled. Amen. I mean, we're just we're just we're just getting warmed up here. The reality is in Christ we have access to all the riches of glory. This is this is God's goodness to us. Beyond that, we have God himself. In Genesis, God says to Abraham, he says, to get the context a little bit, uh, Abraham just kind of turned down some riches from a king, and uh, he has a conversation with God, and God says, hey, listen, Abraham. He says, I am your great reward. Beyond all the blessings that God gives us, he literally gives us himself. Can I encourage you with this, that everything can become a reminder of God's goodness? Everything. You see, it has more to do with a gratitude attitude than it has to do with our life circumstances. Because if we're not careful, we as human beings tend to believe that I can only be filled with gratitude, I can only be filled with praise, I I can only be thankful when things are going 
but like this, you know, when my job's like this, and when my relationships are like that, and when my bank account looks like this, and when, and then we're like, then I can be grateful, then I can be thankful, and the reality is this, it has a lot less to do, a, a grateful heart has less to do with your circumstances, and more to do with the attitude or the posture of your heart. And so we see anything can become a reminder of God's goodness. I mean, literally, when you are doing something as simple and as basic as tying your shoes, you can be thankful by reminding yourself that you literally have feet to walk with. Doing things as simple as brushing your teeth can be a reminder to be thankful for literally the hands that you have to take care of yourself. When you read a sign as you're driving down the road, you can be thankful by reminding yourself you literally have eyes to see with. When you breathe, you can be thankful because someone out there just took their last breath. Your entire life can become a sacred ritual of gratitude. You see, it has more to do with the posture of your heart than the position of your circumstances. Gratitude is a lens through which we see through, not a life circumstance that goes the way that we would prefer. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage us and help us with. It was William Arthur Ward who said it this way, and it might be in your service program that you received on your way in. He said, gratitude can transform common days into thanksgivings it can turn routine jobs into joy and change ordinary opportunities into blessings that is what a literally a posture of goodness a posture of gratitude can do to the heart and life so not only do we see god's goodness here but let's keep reading in our passage notice what it says being rich in everything to all bountifulness. You say, what does that mean? It just literally means this. God's not holding out on you. That's, that's what this means. He's not holding out on you. God has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Therefore, with food and raiment, you can be content. I, I want to remind you today. You say, well, I didn't, get the, I didn't get the promotion that I thought I would get. and I, I don't have as much money in my 401k as I thought I would by this point in my life. And, and, and my marriage didn't turn out exactly the way I thought it would emotionally turn out for me. And I just simply want to say to you, even in light of all that, your God is not holding out on you. It says here, you've been enriched in everything all bountifulness now what does this do which causes through us thanksgiving to god i I love the way the apostle paul phrases this in this particular passage because he didn't doesn't just come and say hey guys don't you realize you're you're supposed to be christians you're you're supposed to be those church people now now be happy about it and 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 say thank you (laughs) you ever do that as a parent to your kids now say thank you (laughs) Like, like somehow just the enunciation of something is going to change the posture of their heart. <laughs> See, that's not how the Apostle Paul addresses this. He, he addresses the heart first. 
He says, I want to remind you that you have something to be thankful for. I want to remind you that God has been good to you. He, he wants to help us focus on, on all that we have in Christ. And from that position, once we really understand, uh, the Apostle Paul gets, once you really understand all that Christ has done for you and all that God has blessed you with, the natural progression of that will be gratitude. That's just what happens. It's what it says right here. It says this causes through us thanksgiving to God. See, thanksgiving to God and articulating praise and thanks to him, this is just the fruit. It's just the result. It's just the ramification of a life that is rooted and grounded and focused and meditated on the blessings of who God is and what he has done. Saying thank you is just a byproduct of being thankful. So I'm not going to be the type of pastor that runs around and says, well, say thank you. <laughs> you should say thank you. Well, yeah, we should, but th that's not where it starts. What causes us to say thank you with an authentic heart? It, it starts with by, by reminiscing and reminding ourselves of all that we have in Christ, that God's not holding out on us. And it says this causes through us thanksgiving to God, which leads us here to our second thought, not only God's goodness, but I want you to see our gratitude. Our gratitude. The psalmist says in Psalms 92, verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. He says, this thing's good. Why is it good? Because it reveals the posture of your heart. It reveals the perspective of your life. A person who never says thank you, I, you know, if there's somebody who doesn't say thank you for this or thank you for that, I, I feel bad for them. You say, why? Because it's probably they're not basking. They're not living in a state of their abundance in Christ. They're constantly focused on what they don't have or what they have, or what she has, or what he has, or what they, we could have. They're always focused on something else out there rather than being content with all that God has given them in Christ. So the reason they don't articulate words of thanksgiving is because there is not a posture of the heart of gratitude. Somebody with the posture of a heart, somebody who is meditating on the goodness of God and basking in his blessings and just re re reminiscing of all that how god has loaded them with blessings this person can't help but just have an overflow of articulate gratitude in their life i'm gonna throw this on the screen i want you to see this uh, two is greater than four how many teachers we have in the room some of you are looking at that i don't see a problem with that it sounds good to me <laughs> if uh if you know anything about math, that should bother you for a second, but I put it up there to get us to think about something for a moment. Unless you are completely mathematically challenged, the above equation ought to bother you, uh, maybe to some degree. I mean, after all, even second graders know uh, in a mathematical sense that four is greater than two. So let me just admit kind of from the outset, I am doing this to kind of be a little bit cute, to share something that I think might be a little bit more profound when it comes to the subject of gratitude and thanksgiving. For a lot of us, when it comes to thanksgiving, we tend to err in two different ways. Uh, 
Uh, first and most obviously, we're simply not as thankful as we need to be, and, and that's how some of us are. There are probably some people in this room, and when you really search your heart, you're like, that's me. I don't really live in a state of gratitude, and I don't say and articulate words of affirmation and thankfulness enough, and that might be where some of you are. Uh, but, but another way in which we err, if I can use that phrase, is kind of in this area of maybe a little bit more subtle of an error, the era, the error, I should say, of giving thanks for something, but forgetting to give thanks to someone. In fact, as you study the scriptures, you will find over and over again, when it comes to gratitude, when it comes to thanksgiving, much more is talked about in regards to giving thanks to than giving thanks for. Now, there's a place, praise God, that he's, man, we can be thankful for a house. How many of you are thankful for your house? And we can be thankful for our health. How many of you are thankful for your health? And we can be thankful for our children. How many ever think? For our children, amen, all right, there we go. <laughs> and for our spouse. And we can be thankful, yeah, amen, Brother Church, that was the right answer, all right? He got both hands in the air, good job, all right? Uh, brownie points right there. So we all have things we can be thankful for, and I think we should be thankful for things. But in our attempts to be thankful for, oftentimes in the church, we can forget to be thankful to. Here's what the Bible says in this passage, which causes us through thanksgiving for blessings. <laughs> Is that what it says? Now, don't get me wrong. Praise God if you've got a nice house, you've got some extra money and a boat and nice clothes to wear and lots of food on the table. I'm not downplaying that. I'm simply wanting to elevate that a person who has a posture of gratitude in their heart, they recognize that gratitude is not just something I am thankful for, but deep down that thanksgiving and gratitude is really someone to be thankful to. And I want to remind you about this because I think in our modern church, in, in a day and age where in many Christian cultures, Christianity and the American dream have been swapped, and most Christians in America cannot distinguish between spiritual Christianity and successful American dream. They've equated the two as one, and they're not one. Don't think, well, you know, spirituality means I'm going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, you know? Uh, man, thank God for the American dream, and if God's blessed you materially, financially, with resources and opportunity, that's great. But that's not the same necessarily as being able to be thankful to God. Can I, can I say this? You can still be thankful to God just like Job was when he strips away your health, when he strips away your resources, when he strips away your opportunities. You still, even in that moment, have someone to be thankful to. And that is really the heart of biblical gratitude. Even when you have nothing to be thankful for, you always have someone to be thankful to. Because at the very essence of what Christianity is about, it is not about the presence, gifts that we get from God. That's not the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is not his gifts, his presence. The essence is his presence. To be with him. To spend time with you. You see what I did there? That was a little clever, wasn't it? All right presence it's his presence his abiding presence 
to spend time with him. That is the essence of what Christianity is about. Ultimately, Christianity is not about getting something from God. It's about getting God. And if that doesn't really wow you, and if that doesn't really thrill you, if you're like, yeah, I like God, but I want God plus this, you've kind of missed it. Everything above God himself, his, his very presence is just a cherry on top. But Jesus is what this thing is ultimately about. Because in Jesus is our peace, and in Jesus is our joy, and in Christ, in Jesus is our life. He is our exceeding great reward. Genesis chapter number 16. He's what it's about. So what I'm trying to say here is this. Two is greater than four. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm simply trying to say this, that giving thanks to God for who he is in his essence and in his presence is much more valuable than giving thanks for what he does. Hence, two is greater than four. I hope that we would come to a place where we recognize that God is good and he's great. We've often said it this way here at Ambassador, look beyond just the blessings and focus on the blesser. Man, praise God for his blessings. And, and on Thursday, I hope you'll sit around and you'll share about what God did for you here and what God did for you there and, and those types of things. And, and that's not wrong. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying there's something better. Let's do that and let's thank God for who he is. And let's, let's look for ways. As we're going around the table, let's look for opportunities to really be thankful to God for who he is, for his essence, for his character, for who he is to us and how we've experienced him in a greater way this year. If I, if I were to sit down with you and I were to ask you, how have you experienced God in a greater way this year? You say, well, God got me a car and he gave me this cool job. I, that's good, that's good. I'm not, not downplaying that. I'm saying, how have you experienced him as more in your life this year? That's, that's what I'm asking. How have you experienced, why? To be thankful to God is to experience him, to abide with him afresh and anew. If I were to ask you that question, how would you respond? How have you experienced him in a greater way in the last six? Or 12 months. Him, his essence, his character, who he is. Or do you find that you always just default to what he does for you? Well, he got me a job. He gave me some more money. And I got a cool car. And this is what happened. That's awesome. But how have you experienced him? How can you be thankful to God for all that he has done? I'm going to throw this on the screens, but no blessing or trial for that matter, happens by accident. Both are graciously placed into the Christian's life for one singular and overwhelming purpose, and that is to draw the believer closer to the person of Christ. This is why God places blessings and trials, why he places things in our lives. Everything is to draw us closer to him and sometimes he'll use blessings and oftentimes he'll use trials but in his sovereignty he is using all of them to help us grow closer to 
knowing Him and desiring Him and abiding with Him and dwelling with Him and knowing Him so that we can be thankful to a God, not just for what He did. And in conclusion, let me just give you really practically here a couple of tips, maybe we could say some biblical perspectives on how to cultivate a spirit of gratitude, all right? How do we we cultivate a spirit of gratitude in a real basic way? The Bible tells us, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You say, how do we cultivate a a real spirit of gratitude? I, I would say first, slow down and just take notice. He daily loadeth you with blessings. And the reason that many modern Americans miss it is we're just moving too fast. We're too busy. We crowd our schedules. We crowd our budgets. We crowd our lives until literally there is no margin. So just slow down to take notice and to look to taste and to see that God is good. If you'll just slow your heart down, maybe for some of you, even just slow your schedules down, and just notice it's amazing what the Spirit of God will begin to reveal to your heart of who He is, what He's done. Slow down. Take time to be still and just know that He is God. One of the scourges of modern America is we're just, we're, we're overwhelmed in our schedules. We're overwhelmed with our finances. We have no financial margin. We have no margin in our schedules. We have no margin in our lives. And we wonder why there's no gratitude. It's because gratitude takes a moment. We need to be still. We need to taste and see, slow down, notice. Why? Because when we pause to think, we will always have cause to thank. Every time. Every time, because God promises it. He says it is true. As you read through the Psalms, you'll find again and again where the psalmist, David, he would regularly record areas that he was thankful to God for, which leads us to a second practical implication. I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to think about keeping a record of what you're thankful for. This may play out differently, and maybe this is just mentally. For, for me, it's literally physically in a journal. Every day, just trying to pull out a journal and just writing things I'm thankful for. There's, just, there's a place for that. And I'm not saying you have to do that or somehow you're not right with God if you don't have a journal. I mean, use your phone, use your mind. I, I'm not making a demand on how this is expressed in your particular personality or whatnot, but these are just hints, thoughts, ideas, keeping a record of what you're thankful for. There was an old song that said, count your blessings, name them one by one. Just taking those blessings, writing them down, replaying them over in your mind to cultivate a a real attitude of gratitude. And then I would say lastly, beware in your own heart of, of complaining, criticizing, and gossiping. Now you say, why, why, do you want, why do you want us to be aware of it? Because oftentimes when there is a spirit of complaining, of criticizing, and gossiping, that often reveals a heart where there is not a posture of gratitude. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
And when there is more complaining and more criticizing and more gossiping than there is gratitude, praise, and affirmation, you know, if somebody wants to complain against this person or that person or this thing or that thing, I, I, I don't necessarily have an issue with the verbalization, the articulation of that at all. I just feel sorry for your heart because you're not experiencing joy. I feel bad for you. Not that you're saying that. I feel bad because of what it reveals about the normal posture of your everyday heart. It means you're having to live with somebody who's really sad. And I feel bad for you for that. That you live with somebody who's sad and who's hurt and who's overwhelmed. I hurt for your heart and I feel sorry for you. Because it's out of our, what, what comes out, if all you can do is complain about what this person did to you 10 years ago and what that lady did to you in the church and gossiping about what these individuals did at work and criticizing what your boss did, you know, at your last job. All that reveals is what's happening in your heart. You're, you're sad person. You're hurting person. You're bitter. And I love you. And I want better for you. I want you to experience more. And so I'm not going to say, you know, well, just do this and do this. I'm, I'm talking about the posture of your heart. I'm, I'm talking about allowing the grace of God to transform you from the inside out to say, God, change the posture of my heart. Help me in all things. Give thanks. Give me a new perspective, dear God. Help me to see things differently. Help me to see them through your lens. You say, what's the takeaway? We tend to forget that happiness doesn't come as a result of getting something we don't have. We, we talked about this earlier in the message, but rather in recognizing and appreciating the things that we do have. So what's the takeaway? What's the one thing? If you had to sum this whole thing up in a nutshell, what, what would I be encouraging you to do? And that is simply this. Trade your expectations for appreciation. If you're not careful, you'll find that you have expectations on your spouse. Be careful. You say, well, the Bible has expectations. That's the God of the universe who created that individual. They, he has the right to have expectations. Well, I have expectations of this person. Be careful. But be thankful. You're saying, are you saying we can't engage them? No, you engage it, but do it with a spirit of gratitude. A spirit of love. You know what's interesting is, is you, you talk, well, I, I, have a, I, have, I have a reason to be critical, or I have a reason to gossip, or I have a reason to complain, and, and you might. But let me just say this. The posture of your heart is quickly revealed by the, fruit of your, by the fruit of the Spirit. You say, what do you mean by that? When somebody comes to you, hey, I need to address something with you, I need to gauge, are you here about a gossip trail, or are you here about complaining, or are you here about critical spirit, or whatever? The posture of a spirit-filled Christian, the posture of their heart, the, the, the spirit of their life going into that is one of, I want what's best for you. I want, like the Apostle Paul would say often, I want your joy to be full. I really do. That's my heart. I love you, and I care about you, and I, I want your joy to be filled, and I want you to have peace, and I want what's best for you, and this is the posture of your heart. So I want to engage this with you because I feel like this will help you, and this will help your heart, and, and this, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy life more in this path. See, that's, that's how you know when it's coming from a posture of appreciation. You show me a person who engages every issue and every with a critical spirit and they're bitter and they're upset and they're mad and they're angry. 
I'm just here to say that the, the, the spirit of that betrays the reality that it's really not for that individual. It's really about you. You don't want to be angry anymore. You don't want to be upset. You don't want that person making your life miserable. And can I say this? As a believer, we don't need other people in our life behaving the way we expect them to behave so we can be at peace. You're free from that. You don't need your spouse to behave. You don't need your coworkers to behave. You don't need your relatives to behave in order to live at perfect peace. You don't need it. And if you believe you do, you're believing a lie from the father of lies. You have everything you need in Christ for life, for godliness, for peace and contentment, and for fullness of joy. You already have it in Jesus. And so as long as you look to something other than Jesus to give you what only Jesus can give you, you're going to continue to be a miserable person. And you'll masquerade it with all kinds of extremities, and as long as you can keep, you know, uh, just some type of having fun here and having fun there and keeping this kind of euphoric high going, but the reality is to have that deep-rooted peace, to have that deep-rooted joy, it takes something more. You, you need to experience Jesus maybe on a level you haven't experienced him before. Because he gives a joy unspeakable and full of glory. You say, well, then how do we engage? Just like we talked about a moment ago. Ask, ask, ask your own heart. What's the posture of my heart right now? Do I really want what's best for my spouse when I engage this? And is that reflected in my attitude? Is it reflected in my spirit? Is it being reflected in my tone? Is it being reflected in my countenance? Because if it's not, then yeah, you might be engaging him, but it really just is all about you. And what that reveals is you think you need that other person to do something your way in order to be content. And the moment you do that, you've deceived yourself. All you need is Jesus. He has given you everything you need for full life, for full godliness. He is enough. He's enough. So let these things, let, man, how, how am I? Am I, is, am I, is there a slowing down? Is there a, is there an attitude of gratitude? Do I find the fruit of complaining and criticizing and gossiping? Are those fruits of my life? Because if they are, be careful. Beware. Let that reveal something about where you authentically are in your spiritual journey. And can I say this? We're all there. We're all broken. Every one of us have complained, and every one of us have criticized, and every one of us have gossiped. Thank God for his abundant grace and mercy. It's new every morning. But let's not just be people who make it to heaven because we have God's grace, but let's glorify him in the process by allowing his strength to flow in us, to change something inside of us, to do something in us so that he can do something through us toward others as well. Let's be a conduit of God's amazing grace. Trade expectation for appreciation in everything. Give thanks everything. In everything, there's something to give thanks for. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.